Hey everyone, this is Jesse Slade, and you are listening to To My Future Vinyl Collectors. And welcome to another episode of the To My Future Vinyl Collectors podcast with me, Jesse Slade, and my good friend who's joining us again, Matt, Matt Blue. <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're sitting here, just finished listening to some really good music, and I'm really anxious to actually sit down. We've been talking about sitting down and talking about the artists that we both chose today for a while now um yes we've been we've been thinking about it we've been playing it yeah and uh you want to go ahead and tell the people who will be listening to today talking about mr kamasi washington the god the legend the man he could be reincarnated jazz i mean jazz icon He's rejuvenated something about it, I think. Yeah, it's, I mean, not to make a cheesy joke, but, you know, what he's done for the jazz scene has been quite epic. (laughs) 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 But, yeah, uh, Kamasi's been this guy that I've been listening listening to for quite a while now. Um, You know, he played, I think we mentioned on the last podcast, uh, he played a lot on uh, Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly, um, played on some other stuff with Kendrick. He's really, you know, done a lot of really good, um, I guess, what what would be studio musician for rap? Right, right. Um, He's been a really good studio musician for a lot of rap and fusion and funk um, type things. Right, and, and that's why for Projects. me, particularly as I've been spending time with the Epic, you know, I, I've been, I, I am not all up on what jazz is and where jazz is now. and Not all that jazz. Right. The distinction maybe between jazz and fusion and, like, you know, but it seems to me that he's kind of pushing from sort of a standard jazz into some other areas. But I don't know that. What What do you think as someone who knows a little bit more about the whole genre? Well, I don't really, I don't know. I wouldn't say that I know a lot about jazz, but I know a lot of people that know a lot about jazz. So I guess I passively know a little bit about jazz. Um, but, but osmosis. You know, you're talking about like these different like sects of jazz, how we have, you know, we have the fusion, you know, we have the bebop, we have all these different types of jazz. And the way that I've always had it explained to me is, almost in like a tree format, like at the, the record shop that I help out at. Um, like we have this big poster that it's basically this tree with these branches going off and each different branch is like a sub genre of jazz. And basically like, so they're just seen as these branches. So I think like a good analogy would be like for Kamasi would be like, he's like jumping between these different branches and kind of bridging these gaps. And he's not the first person to do it, right. but I think he's the first person to do it on a mainstream level in a very long time. And it seems to me that, uh, you know, obviously we're not saying anything that people can't know on their own, but it seems to me that the, the nature of jazz lends itself to that kind of, uh, sliding around through different genres and, and, uh, bringing in different kinds of influences in in some sense it's it's 
easier to do it within the structures of jazz than it than it is to bring in other influences in say, you know, uh, even gospel or in in R and B even. Um, rock has spent a lot of time over the last fifty years bringing in other influences, you know, uh, being a mongrel thing that it is. But jazz seems to have a, a kind of specific genealogy, and then people can sort of riff off of that literally. Right, like, I mean, it's all kind of built into the genre, right? Is like it's especially Kamasi. I would say is if he were to be categorized, would be kind of a, like fusion free jazz. Hmm. I guess um, I don't really know what I don't know. I don't think that he's any sort of like. I don't think that in mainstream media right now in mainstream music, there's enough like people listening to jazz that. It, the subgenres like are that like super crazy important right, and, right. and at that level right. i mean obviously you have like more contemporary people like chris Bodie and like all that that's basically just like fucking butt rock for jazz like it's just <laughs> bullshit like you have that and then you have like people like kamasi that are actually like pushing the envelope but then again one of white people not ruin jazz wait you're saying that we can't listen to kenny g kenneth g <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't really, uh, I don't really care to comment on Sir Kenneth G. I, I don't want to have the hex of the Ken hanging around. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean, can I ask you a couple questions about about Kamasi? Sure. Your, your feeling about Kamasi? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, one of the things that I love about, um the epic and then there are other tracks from other albums but um i love truth the stuff from harmony of difference um there seems to be this real true sense of epicness you know a real true sense of someone who's reaching for an expression that's not just like bullshit putting on airs but is actually getting there you know what I mean? I think about, to me, it almost seems as if he's connected to the um, the attitude of maybe the the art rock uh, bands back in the 70s. You know, bands like Genesis, you know, bands that were trying to doing prog rock stuff, trying to like make some grandiose statement. And it became cliche and it became kind of like, you know, a red herring at, at some point. You know, but a band like Yes puts out like a 45-minute song or Jethro Tull puts out, you know, a 45-minute song. And there's something to that attempt, you know. And I think that what's awesome about Kamasi Washington putting out the epic and it's like freaking almost three hours long is this is somebody who's like staking his reputation on being able to do a full expression that's at a level that's not like a two-minute clip. Do you know what I mean? Right. So how do you feel about his reach for epicness? Well, I feel like that is a question that would almost be better answered by you as, like, you know, as the perspective of, you know, as an artist, like, have you worked on any, like, grandiose, like, projects before? Like, anything that you would put on the level of, like, what it would be for a musician to do, like, a three-hour? Um... I mean, I know it's yeah, not really comparable. It's not totally comparable, but I've done a couple things that I would call that. 
and I've got a few things that I have never been able to get out there that I would call an attempt at that level. And that's something that I want to see. Right. In, in great art, I want to see the attempt. Right. And that's know? where I was kind of going with my answer. Like, I appreciate his his grab at this literal, like, I don't mean to keep making the cheesy joke, but like mm-hmm. this epic piece of art mm-hmm. that I feel a lot of times today in contemporary culture is overlooked. You know, how many artists, mm-hmm. like, you know, you're more well-versed in like, you know, the art world, like how many grandiose like projects are released every year and how many actually get attention? Yeah, very few. You know, and and I think that the fact that Kamasi's like doing this and crossing over and the way that he's set himself up with the mainstream crossover with Kendrick is just such a wonderful thing for jazz music and I think expressionist everywhere. It's interesting too, you know, I, I, th- I often think of uh, people who really try to do big things, it's often uneven. You know, like when you think about an entire career, like if you look at Prince or you look at Bowie, who are two people who I would say reached for epic, just going way beyond like alien shit, you know what I mean? Um, over the course of many, many decades, they had some things that like fall flat that are not that great, but they, on average, they're able to pick up. Reality. Yeah. <laughs> They're able to pick up a little bit more of that, right? So maybe in another 15, 20 years, we'll have um, something from Kamasi that we can say, well, okay, this is a little bit lower, this is a little bit higher. It feels really even. And that's one of the things that's really interesting to me about somebody like Kendrick is that the all of the albums are pretty even. There's not too many, there's not really low points. It's pretty even expression. Um and I think that Kamasi's doing that too. I would actually say that somebody like Kanye has more duds. Oh yeah, way more duds than like Kendrick does. Oh, yeah, Kendrick doesn't have a Jesus or like <laughs> you know like Kendrick. I don't know. I'm also kind of a Kendrick Mark. Like I love Kendrick. Everyone knows that. So I mean, I don't think that he can really do too much wrong in my eyes. Even people like shit on Damn, and I was still like, bro, it's still a great freaking record. I mean, I think that we're in a really amazing moment right now for music, and for and for particularly for African American music to get some of the due that it hasn't had. You know, in in some ways, a lot of times, uh, black artists have had to appeal to white people in a certain way. Whereas when you look at, like, I mean, like, in the last week and a half, we have had two amazing things that have happened. We've had Kendrick win the Pulitzer Prize for Damn. The first time, really, a major act, a major label act has won that. Usually it's, like, given to, like, subgenres and stuff. Right. Um, and then we also had the amazing performance of Beyonce at Coachella, wherein she actually references specific, like, you know, like historically black college, you know, like references the quote unquote, the black national anthem, you know, like they're not tailoring it to fit to a white version of the world. And that's actually super encouraging and and intriguing to me. And that's something that I see in Kamasi. I see him being like, there's like this purity of willing, of, of wanting to express. Right. Straight. And I think, 
don't know. It's really interesting that you say that because the way that like I've always kind of broke jazz down in my mind, well, at least in the past, you know, however long I've been like listening to jazz is, you know, like with like the classics as far as like Miles Davis being being the best example here, just because I think most people know Miles Davis. Right. You know, for a long time, Miles, you know, was playing. Uh, you know, this this type of music that white people really wanted him to play, mm-hmm. you know, because of the time that he was in. Even though he was still a famous musician, the white people were still controlling the type of art that he was putting out there. And yeah. then that's what's so wonderful and beautiful about, um, you know, an expressionist piece such as Bitches Brew, because basically that was Miles saying, I'm playing the way that I feel inside, mm-hmm. you know, and this is... I think that, you know, there are a few distinct things in, in history and, and specifically, I can only speak so much as a white man, but I feel in black history in America, um, you know, oppression is always reflected with the art. And right. I think that musically, the fact that we're having this, this almost Kamasi this Kamasi, well, in my like mind anyway, this like Kamasi free jazz surge after we've been having all of these really crazy things happening in the past few years mm-hmm. regarding, you know, to race and everything like that. It, it, it's really crazy that the way that that mirrors, you know, how miles did bitches brew and miles mm-hmm. like shaped his career. Like, oh, like there was definitely a point where the the switch was flipped and he was like, no, I'm doing what I want to do. And, you know, I'm not putting down any of those giants that we have to stand on the shoulders of. I mean, Sammy Davis Jr. had to do things a certain way and he broke barriers in a certain way. And, you know, then you had Charlie Pride broke barriers. Charlie Pride broke barriers. I mean, so there's a sense in which I, I find the there's something very fresh in the moment right now for the stuff that Kamasi's doing. I think. And Absolutely. I, I, I mean I, I I'm really I'm pushing it. You know, like in my classrooms, um, you know, when you're in a studio class and you're teaching for three hours, you know, you lecture for forty five minutes, you do a demo, and then you're you're drawing or painting for, you know, two hours straight. And the idea is that you you want to get into a mood. And I'm telling you what, and today when we played the epic in class, man, we were we were in a groove move. Good. Doing what we need to do. It can take you... Jazz, I feel like, can take you to a, a different level mentally. Not to say that to sound like pretentious or anything. I think there are other forms of music that can obviously do that. I think all good art can take you to a certain place emotionally. But when I listen to jazz, I go to just such a free space. Mm-hmm. Well, you can... It's like you get into a groove, but you can... It's like it, it, it allows you to think at higher levels where there is some kind of music, you know, like, uh, I won't name any names, but there are some people in the art department who play sort of like meditation music or very like non-energetic uh, classical music. Right. And, and that produces like a low affect. What Donald Trump would call low energy <laughs> in the classroom. What I, what I want... <laughs> <laughs> what I want, fuck Trump. What I want is high energy, right? And um, so it's interesting, but um, I don't know. Like the thing is, is that I constantly, when I'm listening to it, I'm thinking about how it seems to me to connect to 
the history of very high level um, musical expression. I mean, I'm I'm thinking of Kamasi alongside like Sun Ra. That's that's the level that I'm talking right. about. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. About how long have which have you been listening to Kamasi? I a few months really. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like yeah. the same thing happened to me. Like I started listening to him and immediately he like skyrocketed to one of my favorite like contemporary artists right now. Um you know, and I, I talked about this a little bit on the last episode. Um the Frank Ocean episode. It's on iTunes right now if you want to go listen to it. But um you know how like collaboration within music right now is at an all-time high and i feel like kamasi's like part of that whole crew that i talked about um and you know the epic is just such a a great also name for the artists that they were he was able to get together to be on that like you know he got robert glasper like probably contemporarily one of the greatest like pianist like mm-hmm of our time and he got thundercat which is his homie which mm-hmm. blows my mind because he is like the things that that man does on the bass dude are incredible and then you have like you know all these other like amazing you know artists i think right now out of all these people that we've talked about when I mean, we've, we've talked cream about, higgins on bass like, seriously dude like, like one of the greatest of all time right? like yeah but I, I would say that i am like way into thundercat in the sense of like, yeah, he's my dude. He's like the desert island dude. Like, if you had, if you had to have one musician on your desert island, probably you couldn't do much. You know, I mean, like you'd Thundercat, survive dude. a few more days if you had Thundercat. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, I can believe that. I mean, he's so good. Like, he can vibe. Like, he can bring on like West Khalifa, and, and then like right. this is turned into a Thundercat podcast. <laughs> we should probably save it, but like. He can, yeah, he can do it all. And he can be funny. He can be serious. He can do great. like love ballad. He can do it all, man. Like his, oh my gosh, his lyrics are so freaking great. <laughs> we'll we'll save that. Just yeah, uh, we don't wanna, we'll do a Thundercat episode eventually. We don't want to. We don't want to blow the Thundercat wad. Um, uh, <laughs> 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 um, I tried so hard not to laugh right there. I was like, I'm not gonna laugh. I'm not gonna laugh. Um, yeah, we just watched the truth video. I had, I had a question for you about the truth video. Actually, Yes, dude. Yes. I know that I kind of want to talk a little bit about that. I sent that to you, what, probably about a week ago. Yeah. And I've been, I've been watching it a lot. Holy shit, dude. That's, that's like the, uh, Terrence Malick of music videos. (laughs) How fucking crazy is that? Um, uh, I, you know, I was watching it for the first time and I just couldn't help but be like the first time like it shows the space shot and I'm like Matt's in. Mm-hmm. Matt's fucking in. And I just wanted to know, how did you feel when you first like were watching it and you saw the space shot for the first time? Like what? what, what? I, you know, by the time when they got about it's about three, four minutes in when um, it's before the space shot, but it's when the young woman is sitting on the bed and her family's all around her. All the all the matriarchs are around her. And they're like holding her hands, and it seems that she's maybe she's getting ready for marriage or something. And 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 uh, you know the grandma like the abuelo comes in there, and she's just like like getting getting into it and like excited, and it's almost like they're praying over her or they're encouraging her. And like I was absolutely enraptured by that video. Really. And by the time I got to the like when the little kid's face fades into the freaking uh, nebula shot. 
Oh my god! I was like, this is this is epic. It's for real. This I is know. amazing. Like that's like some level shit that like if if like somebody were like, all right, you know, Jesse, you're the musical historian for the world. All music's gonna be erased from time. <laughs> and they were like, you get a pick. I don't know, like twenty art related, like music related things to put in a time capsule. Like this would absolutely be one of the things I put in a time capsule. I'd be like, "All right, you got to put Kamasi Washington Truth." I don't know if I would add any context to that, mm-hmm. or if I would just be like, "You know, okay, here's all this crazy stuff. Here's all this crazy stuff. Boom, Kamasi Washington Truth." Mm-hmm. Um, I I do love it. It's great. But well, well, let me ask you a question about it. Yeah. So I mean, what what was what was the scene for you that like? Was was it was it was the space scene when the kid's face fades into space? Uh, no, or no. was it or was it or was it when they're putting that beautiful purple robe on on the on the the guy and then they step back and there's flowers in his hair and it's beautiful. Or was it was it when there's candles in the mouth of the person laying on the ground? That's what it is. You got it. <laughs> Blaze it up. How did you know that was it? That's crazy. I really didn't think you would get that. <laughs> I don't know why, man, but for some reason, the first time I watched this video, yeah. I was already very emotional watching it. And, you know, like having my grandma be, like passing, like basically mm-hmm. being this huge life stone for me, mm-hmm. like the way that if you wa- go back and watch it. So there's three candles in her mouth. Yeah. And and just the way that the hand is laying on the forehead. Yes. Yes. It's just so beautiful and soothing and it reminds me of just this wonderful moment I had when my grandma passed and it was just like just such a beautiful scene mm-hmm. and it lasts probably less than 3 seconds. No, right. no they linger on it a they, little bit. A little bit but they it's linger. Really it's like long, 5 seconds maybe, but it's it, not it, a long scene. It's so beautiful that it feels like it lasts longer. That video is so amazing and and you know, he's the Kamasi's the guy that designed it. You know, like he 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 had the concept, right? It is all beautiful moments of connection. It's it's moments of connection. It's even in, even when the guys are like wrestling, you know, like or or when there seems to be some kind of tension or there seems to be concern. It's in the context of family. It's in the context of community. It's in the context of joy. People dance. People move through the spaces that each other is experiencing. Um for me, the, the, the most beautiful part was when the little son and his mom are on the couch and they're playing with each other. And, they're, yeah. and this, this, the look on her face and the, the connection between these people. Um, I think that the truth, that video, with the music, could be analyzed uh, very deeply. I mean, somebody needs to write an essay about it. Because there's something about body, there's particularly there's something about um, people of color's bodies mm-hmm. that have traditionally been like contested and beaten and fought over and killed and eliminated and disappeared, and then to have them be this like site of I'm getting goosebumps, dude. This be this site of love and joy oh, and yeah. beauty. That's the truth. Right. And that is an amazing. I'm getting. I'm getting verklempt. Shit, that is an amazing expression. Yeah, like it's just there's just something about that video, and really the harmony of difference. Like overall, like you know, going through. You know, like I went. We went on this like weird hiatus with like 
real friends and like this podcast, like it, you know, on those times when I was like going through that really hard stuff, I would wake up and listen to Harmony of Difference every morning. Like that was my routine. Mm. I would wake up, listen to Harmony of Difference and stretch and meditate. And mm-hmm. like my mind went to so many wonderful places while mm-hmm. listening to Kamasi Washington mm-hmm. that like it literally like has changed my life immensely on a level that, you know, obviously you'll understand deeper than the common listener. But mm-hmm. it, it, if if it's. If if I had any suggestion to anyone listening to this that hasn't listened to Kamasi Washington, I would be like, just take a second. Just, okay, take three hours. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sit down and, like, just listen to the epic and allow yourself to be moved um, by emotion. Um, allow yourself to feel uncomfortable at times whenever, you know, free jazz will, will get crazy sometimes. And you'll be like, oh, I, I don't know how I can do this. But, you know, I don't. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I feel like that in a day. Seriously. You know what I mean? Seriously. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I don't really know. No, I just wanted to, um, I wanted to say thank you for kind of pushing me toward Kamasi and Thundercat. I suppose in a way we have to thank Kendrick for that. Yeah, I but. think Kendrick's the person to thank for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, anytime. Like, I love, I love talking to people about new music and showing people new music and sitting down and actually having somebody show me new music is something that kind of, you know, if somebody tells me about new music anymore, to be honest, I won't really like check it out because I just have so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you're also just a consumer of music, but, yeah, you you you're the person that people have to should come to 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 know what's going on in some sense. Well, it's just because I spend so much time with it. So much of my life is like like my life is centered around music financially. Like right. in my personal time, I come home and I make tapes and right. listen to records after I've been sorting them and pricing them and cleaning them all day. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm super thankful for uh, Kamasi and everything that. He's his art is done to like open my mind in ways that I did I I I honestly don't think I would think about life in certain ways had I have not heard Kamasi at certain times in my life. Yeah, dude, it's good. It's important, I think, that people allow music to to move you in that way. And uh, if you're if you're having a bad day and you just need some alone time, that's fine. But I think that you should listen to music in that too. And I think that yeah. I think that music is a good, great comforter. Um, but yeah, anyway. And that's the truth, man. That's the button, man. That's the truth. You just wrapped that shit right up. I wrapped it up, put a fucking bow on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Um, if you would, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review, tell a friend about it, um, tweet at me and matt on twitter i'm at jesse slade matt you are at e-i-k-o-n-k-t-i-z-o how do you pronounce that on twitter um yeah go ahead and give us a give us a follow there and tweet at us tell us some music that you want to hear us talk about give us some suggestions tell matt what kind of beer you want him to drink on air right now he's drinking um smith forge hard cider yeah baby 
I don't really drink too much anymore, but I don't know if I would drink too much cider. Well, I, I haven't been drinking beer for a while. I've been drinking just the cider and a little bit of wine here and there. I have some American honey in there. Well, I might need to have some American honey after we cut the tape, sir. All right, let's go get some American honey. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Peace. See, everyone fucking talks shit on Limp Biscuit, but everyone fucking knows Limp Biscuit. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. This is the Limp Biscuit episode of To My Future Vinyl Collectors. That's really all I want my future kids to listen to. <laughs>